Welcome to AEM Early Access, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. When a patient presents to the ED with a potentially life-threatening event such as acute coronary syndrome, there's a lot to consider. We're working through our differential, ordering medications, imaging studies, we're risk stratifying and calling our consultants, but one thing that we don't often consider in that moment is the downstream effects of both patient experience and their emotional reactions on their long-term health. In fact, a broad body of evidence suggests that patients' ED experience can impact psychological, behavioral, and cardiovascular outcomes long after they're discharged. Threat perceptions in the emergency department, or in other words, patients' subjective feelings of helplessness or lack of control, are strongly associated with the development of PTSD. And in the particular context of ACS, cardiac-induced PTSD has been associated with medication non-adherence, cardiac event recurrence, and increased mortality. Today we're speaking with Dr. Talia Cornelius, instructor in medical sciences at Columbia University Medical Center and lead author of a new AEM article entitled, Development and Validation of a Measure to Assess Patients' Threat Perceptions in the Emergency Department. This study reports the development and validation of a seven-item measure of ED threat perceptions in English and Spanish-speaking patients evaluated for acute coronary syndrome. Dr. Cornelius is being interviewed today by Dr. Madeline Boyle, a PGY4 in emergency medicine here at Brown. Don't forget to hit the full text of this article, available open access for one month on our blog at brownemblog.com. Hi, Dr. Cornelius. My name is Madeline Boyle. It's nice to meet you. So just to start, um, your article is about cardiac-induced PTSD. What exactly is cardiac-induced PTSD and what are its implications in the emergency department, the place where I work? Sure. So this is a great question. Uh, When most providers think of PTSD, they tend to think of a psychological symptom that follows a traumatic event such as combat experience or um, some sort of sexual trauma. However, a large body of work has found that survivors of cardiac events, like an acute coronary syndrome, can develop PTSD symptoms subsequent to the cardiac event. Cardiac-induced PTSD is quite similar to PTSD in a more traditional sense. People will experience intrusions, hyperarousal, and so on, but it differs critically in that these symptoms are often oriented towards the true and future threat of another cardiac event. Um, Cardiac-induced PTSD has numerous implications within the emergency department. It occurs in about 12% of ACS patients, so that's a non-trivial number. It's not uncommon, and ED providers are highly likely to encounter these patients. Cardiac-induced PTSD is also associated with a host of negative outcomes, including doubled risk for recurrent events or mortality and non-adherence to cardiovascular medications. It's also quite unique in that the ED is often the first point of care for ACS patients, and so medical providers are actually present during the traumatic experience. And this could be an excellent opportunity for early intervention. Absolutely. What I thought was really interesting about this article is it kind of deals with the psychology of noncompliance, which can be quite maddening as a provider when you try to grasp what it is that makes patients not take their medications or not seek medical care. So I think it's really ne- unique that you guys kind of investigated the factors that might be related to this, this phenomenon. Um, speaking of, so what would you say was the major objective of your study? 
Sure. So in earlier work done at our center, we've shown that factors such as feeling threatened or crowding in the ED can predict the development of cardiac-induced PTSD. However, there was no validated scale to identify patients who might be at risk for PTSD during their inpatient or their ED stay. The creation of a validated scale would be essential to maximize the rigor and reproducibility of research across groups and medical contexts, so maybe stroke or um, some other condition rather than just ACS, and because studies can use a common measure when conducting research on the etiology of this medically-induced PTSD. It's also a first step in developing standardized tools to identify patients who are at risk for developing uh, cardiac-induced PTSD. Our goal was then to develop and validate this scale. Excellent. And and when you came to design this scale, what exactly did you do and what was your your study design and where did you derive the questions that you ultimately used for your scale? Absolutely. Um, so data were drawn from a larger observational cohort study called Reactions to Acute Care and Hospitalization. Uh, and that's the study admitting patients who are at the New York Presbyterian Hospital Emergency Department with a diagnosis of either non-ST elevation myocardial infarction or unstable angina. And they're enrolled in the ED where they're completing a brief interview and they complete another interview post-ED transfer. So that's about a median of three days later. And then there are phone interview follow-ups at one, six, and 12 months post-discharge. These uh, threat questions were asked both in the ED and at that three-day post-transfer interview, and then cardiac-induced PTSD symptoms were assessed at 1, 6, and 12 months. Um, For this study, we focused on the early PTSD assessment, so one month. And as for where the questions came from, they were drawn from a meta-analysis of factors that have been shown to predict the development of PTSD in general. So we were looking for items that were predictive of PTSD in broader populations and then applying it to ACS patients. Okay. So they weren't necessarily unique to ACS patients. These are more just globally derived from patients that are vulnerable to these types of experiences, correct? Uh, Yes. All sorts of PTSD experiences. Excellent. And I I noticed that in your methods, you talked about exploratory factor analysis and confirmatory factor analysis as... um, modalities you used in your study. Can you just help explain that to to the provider like me who's not familiar with these terms and what exactly they mean and how you derive um, scales from these these two types of analyses? Yeah, we started with a total of 12 items that were thought to predict PTSD and that we thought might reflect, therefore, threat perceptions. When you're doing an exploratory factor analysis, it really allows you to look at how those items tend to, uh, quote, unquote, hang together in the data. And this is intended to give you an idea of whether you're measuring just one construct. So is there just one thing that we're calling threat perceptions, or are there two uh, different constructs or three? From this exploratory analysis, seven items emerged that described a single factor that we called threat perceptions. And some examples of these items are things like, I feel vulnerable, or I'm worried that my symptoms are severe. For a confirmatory factor analysis, that's conducted after you have your scale items. So we got these seven items and we did a confirmatory analysis that allows us to look at how well we're identifying this uh, threat perceptions factor. When you're doing a confirmatory analysis, you're also able to test whether there are differences in how well these items are functioning um, or how they are functioning across different populations. We have a quite diverse sample consisting of English and Spanish-speaking patients, and we were able to see then is threat perceptions, are these items measuring threat perceptions in English 
Spanish-speaking patients and Spanish-speaking patients in the same way, uh, and results indicated that the scale indeed was valid and did function in the same way for both of these populations. So if we if we get out of the land of factor analysis and start talking about a scale in the way that people tend to use it, we took these seven items, we computed the scale mean. Uh, just to sort of ground this in reality, the lowest possible score was a one, which is equivalent to a patient saying not at all to all of the questions, so not at all vulnerable, for example. And the highest possible score was a four, which would be extremely, so extremely vulnerable, for example. And we found that the average score was a two, so a mean of around two, which would indicate a little bit of threat. The scale was also uh, reliable. It had good internal consistency reliability. Chromebacks Alpha was over 0.8 at both uh, the ED and the three-day later assessment. And they were also relatively stable scores. So the ED and three-day later scores correlated at about 0.6. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Um, and you also were interested in um, testing for an association between this threat score and a and a risk or a positive predictive risk for a PTSD screen at, at one month. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how this test for association um, was developed and what it showed? The focus of the study was really on scale development. So we did um, a couple of unadjusted analyses. So we looked at the correlation between ED threat perceptions and cardiac-induced PTSD at that one-month interview. As we expected, the ED threat perception score was associated with cardiac-induced PTSD, and correlations were moderate to strong. It was about 0.38 if you use the NED score to predict PTSD at one month. So that's right in the thick of it when patients are in the ED being evaluated. And then 0.35 was the correlation when you used the three-day later score. So they were both, both around the same. Um, we also did an unadjusted logistic regression, so predicting the likelihood of a positive PTSD screen from the ED threat perception score. And for each unit increase in this scale, which went from one again to four, the odds of a positive PTSD screen increased by nearly three. So the odds ratio predicting PTSD from the NED threat perception score was 2.83. And then the three day later, it was 2.61, so quite high. Wow. Yeah, that's very interesting. Very high. Um, do you think that these ED threats are modifiable? Is there anything that we can do to you know, help recognize patients that are vulnerable and, and things that we can do as providers to just maybe mitigate some of this risk? Uh, we do. For example, we found that factors such as crowding or communication with, between providers and patients can relate to feeling threatened. And those are, in theory at least, modifiable factors. This is an empirical question, however, and we hope to tackle this in our future work. Yeah, that would be excellent. Uh, do you see the ED threat score as being incorporated into bedside management? Do you think that this is a scale that providers can give to patients and then, you know, kind of pull them away from a stressful situation? Or how do you, how do you see it being incorporated into bedside management? Well, we hope that it will be uh, because we feel that early identification of patients at risk for cardiac-induced PTSD could improve care. Cardiac-induced PTSD has serious clinical implications for patient outcomes, not only for their psychological well-being, but also for their overall health. And the initial results of our work are encouraging, given the association between threat perception and the development of subsequent PTSD symptoms. At this stage, the scale is best suited for research, however. So, for example, testing interventions to see if they actually can modify and reduce threat perceptions, and also just for standardization of research across a variety of medical populations. 
Okay. All right. And and what do you think are the next steps for the study or what does your group have in mind going forward? So sort of circling back to that last question about clinical utility and, and bedside um, application, a primary goal is really to develop the scale further to be a practical tool for emergency providers that can be administered to patients in the ED. It's easy to implement with minimal training. It takes patients about two to three minutes to complete. They can fill it out themselves or be asked verbally the items. Um, And if patients answer these questions and it can be incorporated into the assessment that the clinician is doing with the patient, these patients who are at risk for cardiac-induced PTSD and therefore non-adherence and recurrence could be identified for early intervention. However, again, because it's currently a continuous metric without any population norms, it could still serve as some sort of thermometer. So like a benchmark, does your patient tend to feel extremely versus not at all threatened would be a pretty extreme difference, for example, on that scale. Absolutely. So in future work, we plan to establish cut points so that the patients uh, who would score above that cut point could be identified as a positive screen for PTSD risk. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are you still following up with the patients to, to date now, at, you know, at greater than one month at the, from a follow-up perspective? Or ha- do you have any ideas as to, you know, whether or not these patients still screen positive? positive for cardiac-induced PTSD months later, or is it just more of the one mark mark that you're at right now? Right now, the scale has been tested with the one-month PTSD. However, PTSD is being assessed in the sample at the other interviews. So for example, the six and the 12-month, and there's also data being collected on mortality and recurrence. That's all part of this larger observational cohort study that's ongoing. But Excellent. keep an eye out because there will be some exciting stuff, I'm sure, coming out. That's great. That's great. Yeah. What I really took away from your article, although there isn't you know, a tangible scale right now that we can hand to patients, it's just made me kind of think more about being cognizant of the environment I put patients in and how well I'm communicating and kind of the stress surrounding them and any opportunity I see to, you know, help control external environmental, you know, situations that might be stressful for patients. I've really been thinking of your article in in those circumstances. So I think it is really quite applicable to, you know, emergency medicine providers and uh, doctors as a whole who take care of really critically ill patients with emotional vulnerability. So I appreciate the work that you've done into this. Thank you for your interest. Is there anything else that you really want providers to walk away with or any other major message we should take away from this this article or the work that your group is doing? I I think the emergency department is a very chaotic place. And some of that is hard to avoid. But I think exactly what you were saying, just about being mindful about patient experience and communication and the things that patients are actually exposed to within the hospital and the ED environment. I think even just starting to think about that more is a is a really good first step. Yeah, excellent. And as you had mentioned earlier, I think this scale will hopefully be applied to different populations of patients undergoing major medically stressful events and, you know, Although it, we're still very early in the process, I, you know, it's nice to think that maybe in the future we can do things to really help our patients and how they comply and how they seek medical care in the future. So it's great work and we really appreciate um, all that you've done. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just glad that people are actually interested in hearing about what's going on. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this AEM Early Access. Dr. Cornelius would like to add thanks to her collaborators, NHLBI, and their program officer, Kate Stoney, for their support. Don't forget to hit the full text of this article available open access for one month on our blog at brownemblog.com. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.